All right, for those of you in here, Psalm 25. And I appreciate uh, these comments on spiritual warfare. That is so important. Uh, it's eye-opening and immensely helpful. Thrilled to hear about that uh, man getting saved today as well. Psalm 25, we'll look at a verse here in a moment to launch us. Uh, when we began this series on faith on the move, I told you early on that we would have a session, uh, we're going to have it tonight, on when faith crashes and burns. I sense from several of you that was the one you're looking forward to. <laughs> and uh, so obviously uh, we need this. Uh, a week ago I was kind of looking forward to what I was going to say as well because <laughs> I didn't quite know. Uh, but uh, obviously over the years you, you pick up on things. I've never preached on this as a, as a specific subject for an entire time. Uh, but uh, it is an area that we have to grapple with. And you've got to get past wishful thinking and pretense and all of that and get honest. And so let's look here at Psalm 25 as we deal with this amazing subject tonight. Psalm 25 verse 4 says, Show me thy ways, O Lord. So God has ways. And then it says, Teach me thy paths. And when we learn the ways of God and the paths of God, it helps us to stay on the right path. When we veer off that path in the walk of faith, that's when we crash and burn. So I want to deal tonight on when faith crashes and burns. Lord, I pray that you'd give us understanding tonight, give us honesty, and Lord, give us help, truth that sets free. And Lord, I do pray that you'd open our eyes to where we've gotten off of the path by leaving your ways, uh, largely often through ignorance, uh, perhaps other things. But Lord, give us understanding in a way that will protect us and keep us on the path of your ways. And so, Lord, I plead the victory of Jesus through the blood to protect us from Satan's attack tonight, protect from deception. We claim the victory we have in Christ. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. In the matter of flying, flying airplanes and so forth, I have an uncle named Jim Stoutenborough. Some of you remember him. And he had a little uh, four-seater plane, had several different ones over the years. And obviously, they, they learned the laws of flying, if I can put it in an amateur way of saying that. Uh, they learned the principles, the, the laws of flying. And back before instruments and all that, uh, he knew that if he got his little plane in a cloud, that'd be very easy to get turned sideways or even upside down and not know it. So he had his practical way of dealing with that. He hung a golf ball from the cab, the ceiling of his little uh, plane there. So if the golf ball was sitting on the ceiling, he knew he was upside down. <laughs> and so uh, he, uh, he was grappling with that uh, back before instruments and all of those things. Well, you and I must learn to navigate within God's principles of faith within God's ways or laws of faith. Now tonight, I want us to grapple with two questions. The first question is, how should we respond when faith crashes? And then we'll move on to how do we keep from getting it wrong. But first of all, let's deal with how should we respond when faith crashes. When you think you got it right, uh, the timing is over, it didn't happen, it didn't play out like you thought it was going to play out, and so that's when we get disillusioned and when we can crash and burn. Uh, how should we respond? Well, before I give that answer, let me tell you a story. Some of you remember some of this, if you were here at the time, uh, but my sister Joy uh, passed away in 2010. Eight years prior to that, she got cancer. Now, when she got cancer, I bought books on healing. <laughs> I did. I read uh, Andrew Murray's book on healing. What a faith-building book. 
Uh, A.J. Gordon's The Ministry of Healing. That to me was the most theologically precise. Murray was phenomenal. Uh, Gordon tied it to the text a little bit more. Later I read A.B. Simpson on healing. And all of those were an immense help to me. And uh, in many of the eight years that my sister Joy had cancer, uh, much of that time, almost the first seven years, she didn't look like a cancer patient, and so it was kind of even hard to grapple with that she had it. If you drive by their house, she's out there mowing the grass and uh, so on. Uh, But uh, she did, and uh, it was breast cancer, and it went everywhere over those eight years. In the first several years, it's going here, it's going there. And about four years into it, uh, it was, uh, she was having a problem with her lungs, and uh, the way the, I remember the wording, his, her plural cavity was filling up. Well, we have several medical folk here in the church. One at the time was Lyndon Sue. Some of you may remember him. He's living in California now. And uh, basically he said, well, when your plural cavity is filling up and you're having to regularly go in and get it pumped, he said that means you're dying. So those are sobering words. So... Uh, you realize, you know, people don't really die of cancer. They die of the problems that cancer causes is really how it often works. So this was a problem. Well, I was at a prayer meeting uh, where uh, several men were involved. It was preparing for a conference and so forth. And uh, there was a, a day when Joy and Gary were actually in that prayer meeting. And so uh, the rest of it uh, were some preachers and so on. And for whatever reason, Joy had come along too. And as we were on the floor, we're praying for the conference, we're praying for revival, we're praying for all these other things. I had my Bible open to Mark 16, and there's that passage that talks about those who believe, and it mentions several things that God will do. One was, they shall lay their hands on the sick, and they shall be healed. Well, those words stirred me in a way that I thought, you know, I'm supposed to do this. Now, I really didn't want to, because, you know, you got a bunch of other men in the room, uh, and... uh, you know, what if I get it wrong? You know, I've gotten it wrong before. <laughs> uh, so what I'm preaching tonight about crashing and burning, this is largely from experience. Uh, but uh, at any rate, I thought, after a while, I thought, you know, I'm going to be disobedient if I don't do this. And I did not have any great feelings that, you know, some, you know, lightning was going to strike and boom, all of a sudden she comes out, you know, Wonder Woman or whatever. Uh, she is, uh, you know, but this is just what we, we were dealing with at the time. And so I, I said to the other folk, I said, hey, uh, Here's what's on my heart. I explained what I just explained to you. I said, I'm going to do this. If you'd like to join me, you're welcome to. You don't have to at all. Uh, I I got to do this or I feel like I'm going to be disobedient. So they all joined me. We laid our hands on joy and prayed. And she never had to have her pleural cavity uh, pumped again. Now, God didn't heal her of the cancer, but he healed her of the part that was causing her to die at that moment, if that makes any sense. And so that was a big victory. That was amazing because I didn't feel anything. It was just a matter that I knew. See, there's that difference between knowing and feeling. I knew uh, that God uh, wanted this, and so uh, uh, the others joined in, and, and this is what God did. Well, uh, over the next couple of years, it, other things happened. Uh, they were taking a scan of the lungs following all that, and they actually took a scan uh, over the pelvic region as well. They weren't supposed to. They don't even know why they did it. And they discovered that uh, the cancer had gone to her ovaries. They caught it really early, were able to deal with that. Uh, you know, if they hadn't uh, accidentally providentially done that, they would have missed that. Uh, and it continued on. It, uh, it went to her liver. It went to her bones. I mean, it was, you know, this was the period. This is the journey of those eight years. Well, seven years into it, she got a brain tumor. Now, that's like really bad news. You know, when the cancer goes to your brain, you know, it's not, this is not good. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's really not good. And so uh, they decided on a stereotactic uh, uh, radiation approach, which is zero ends just on the tumor, uh, zeros in just on the tumor itself. They did that. And so a couple of weeks later, they went into, uh, you know, the follow-up check. 
and that one was gone. They zapped it. But now there's three more. So in a three-week period of time, from the radiation on that tumor uh, to the follow-up checkup, now three more tumors are in the brain. Basically, you're days away from being history. To put it very bluntly, uh, that's the truth. So we were all just like, oh, man. Well, my brother-in-law, uh, Gary Hurth, uh, he was uh, sick and he was at home and, and uh, uh, somebody else had to preach that Sunday. And so he was studying that passage in Mark, what's easier to say, son, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And he was chewing on that passage and it hit him. Wait a second, nothing's hard for God. You know, the fact that it's a tumor in the brain sounds really hard to us, but there's nothing hard for God. And it, it stirred him in a way that uh, he was convinced that God was going to heal of those tumors. Now, if you know, Mary, uh, if you know Gary Hurth, he's, 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 uh, he's not one to put himself out on a limb. He would be more on the cautious, German cautious side of things. Uh, he's not sensational. He's not out there making these, you know, uh, sensational statements, and that's just not him. But he got up in church, I was not here, and announced that God was going to heal her of those tumors. I actually bought the recording. I read. I don't listen much. I read a lot. Uh, but I actually got the recording from the church because I, I thought, there's no way he did that. <laughs> it's just not what he does. He doesn't get out on a limb like that. He's cautious and conservative. And sure enough, he announced to the congregation here that God was going to heal those tumors. And guess what? When they went back in uh, to check on those three tumors, two were gone. They could not find them. The other one had not until they stopped talking about it. <laughs> now, that's God. Now, she still had cancer, but the tumors were gone. Are you with me? In other words, there was all these crises, and God... And then, uh, about a year later, is when she was sinking, and the things were not... And so, we, you know, well, God had healed her here, 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 so we're in the mode, okay, God's got... Now, He could if He wanted to, but um, we assumed, key word... That since God had healed the other times, He would do it again. And so uh, we were on that pathway of thinking. I'll bring in a few more details later on in the message tonight about the story. But the bottom line is, she died. And God did not make a mistake. And. Uh, truth is, we did. I did. Uh, Gary would tell you that he did. I'll come to that here in a moment. The mistake really is the assuming, instead of getting a fresh word from the Lord, like we had the other time, was the mistake. I'll come back to that. But when she passed away, I did not preach on faith for a year. <laughs> See, it's a crash and burn. You thought you had it right, you got it wrong, and it's not a matter of timing. She's with the Lord. It's wrong. Okay, so what do you do? you got to admit it. <laughs> if you don't admit it, you are hurt for years to come. You have to admit, get this wrong, we did. And uh, Lord, and your leadership, but when you admit it, what happens is, God begins to heal you. Faith, can I put it? So, how 
how should we respond when faith crashes and burns? You got to get honest that God did not get it wrong. You did. I did. We did. Whatever the situation is. And the moment we get honest about that, then God begins to heal us. Now, that brings us to the second question. How do you keep from getting it wrong? <laughs> I mean, there have been times I've gone to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm sick of this getting wrong thing. <laughs> I'm tired of that. I don't even want to get out of this limb if you're not there. Uh, uh, you know, Lord, protect us. Okay, so how can we keep from getting it wrong? I want to give three major guidelines in the time that we have remaining and uh, I trust this will be a help. Number one, avoid the pitfalls of the life or in the life of faith. You heard the pastor referred a moment ago to the promised land. The promised land is a picture of the life of faith. God had promised that land, but they had to go in by faith and take it. And so uh, that's uh, uh, the story there. So it's a wonderful picture of the life of faith that had to be obtained uh, because it was a promise. It had to be attained by faith. In fact... Uh, they did make some mistakes. Those are what I want to deal with, the pitfalls. But 1 Corinthians 10.11 says, Of Israel, now these, all these things happened unto them for examples, then they are written for our admonition. So they went into the promised land. Yes, largely we say, yeah, man, they took it. But there were some mistakes in there. And those examples are written for our admonition. There are three major pitfall, pitfalls observable when Israel uh, went into the promised land. The first one is the AI mistake. You remember, they'd crossed the Jordan. That was miraculous. And then God had given them some instructions about marching around Jericho once a day for six days, seventh day, seventh time, seventh time, yell and scream and blow trumpets and the walls would come down. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Well, it didn't say yell and scream, but it did say shout. And uh, so bottom line is none of those directions make any sense to us, do they? You know, march around Baghdad for <laughs> uh, once a day for <laughs> seven days. You know, none of that makes sense. It didn't make sense then. But that's what God said. They took God at his word. They took those steps of faith and the walls came down and they saw God give them victory. The next battle was Ai. Now, God gave them specific, fresh directions for Jericho. And the text tells us they did not inquire of the Lord. They assumed. See, that's the mistake that my brother-in-law and I made regarding my sister Joy. God had given all these victories, so we assumed without inquiring of the Lord, going to the Lord... For fresh directions. Yes, God could do it again. Sure. But we needed a fresh word that he would. That's what we missed. And when you do that, you're slipping back into self-dependence. You're stepping out of God dependence into flesh dependence. And bam, that's when the crash and burn takes place. And that is what happened with Israel. So the AI mistake is assuming. Uh, secondly, there's the Gibeon mistake. Uh, you remember the Gibeonites? Uh, God had told them to wipe out everybody in the land. The Gibeonites uh, came and, and they pretended, acted like they were from a far country, not in the land of Canaan, and all of that, and had bread that was old, and when it really wasn't, in other words, it, they'd taken old bread, it wasn't, they, they lied and said it was fresh, and, and those many days later, now it's old. And so they deceived the leaders in Israel, Joshua and the others, and again, Joshua and the others failed to inquire of the Lord. 
So in the AI mistake, they didn't inquire the Lord for fresh directions. In the Gibeon mistake, they did not inquire the Lord for fresh discernment. God, is this you? Are they telling us the truth? You know, God can show you. But they did not inquire the Lord. So again, they stepped away from God dependence and went back to this their own. Okay, we'll just listen to these guys. And so uh, it was a deception by the enemy. So uh, part of that is uh, spiritual warfare in the bigger picture. But uh, this happens. So the AI mistake is when we assuming, because God did this before, without going to him again, we just assume it's going to happen, and so we actually are slipping into self-dependence that way. In the Gibeon mistake, it's deception by the enemy, and so we are again failing to go to the Lord for fresh discernment, and so we're stepping away from God-dependence into self-dependence. The third mistake is not so much to our, our subject tonight, so I'll just briefly mention it, but it's a part of the pitfalls of the life of faith. That is the disobedience mistake. Another way to say that is being satisfied with too little mistake. God had told them to take all the land, and they did not take it all. They got enough of it. Hey, let's set up shop, and didn't wipe out all the enemy. And you read in those portions in Joshua where they didn't take this group and didn't take this piece of land and didn't wipe out this group over here. And God says that those peoples that they left became snares unto them. And so this was a failure to endure. And so a little bit different issue there. And this time they stepped away from God's will into self-will as they got content too early, satisfied too early, lazy, weary, I don't know. But they disobeyed because God said, take it all and wipe out all the Amorite nations because of the perversions that had been there in that land. So avoid the pitfalls in the life of faith. That's the first major guideline. The AI mistake is a big one. The Gibeon mistake is another one. Secondly, second guideline Avoid mistaking God's voice. Now, this is really big. Another way to say that is avoid the voices that drown out God's voice. And thus we mistake God's voice. Classic example of this is Elijah. After the great victory on Mount Carmel. And then uh, Jezebel's after him so he flees and now he's tired and all of that. And you remember, God needed to speak to him, and there was an earthquake. But the text says God was not in the earthquake. Well, earthquakes are big and noisy and, you know, dramatic. Then there was a fire, and the text says God was not in the fire. And then you have that classic text in 1 Kings 19, 12, that God spoke in, the quote, a still, small voice. Hmm. God's ways, God's way, his manner of speaking is that still small voice. The other voices of the earthquake and the fire, God was not in. So let me mention three noisy voices <laughs> that hinder us from hearing God's still small voice. The noisy voices, number one, pressure. Can I use the term noise? Pressure from your own strong desire. You could sum this up in one word. One word, your emotions. There are sometimes we are so wanting something, we're never going to hear the voice of God. 
Because we don't want to hear anything but what we want. Probably that's what happened with me and my sister. Uh, I have two brothers, two sisters. For whatever reason, my sister Joy and I were very, very close, uh, six years apart. And, uh, you know, when I moved from Chicago, I, I came to Michigan. That's why. Her name was Joy. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, and then she split the scene. I was like, man. Uh, but uh, at any rate, uh, you can't laugh. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, uh, uh, I did not want her to die. And so D.L. Moody used to say, when it comes to healing, when it's your loved one, don't trust your own judgment on the matter. I mean, God may speak to you like he did with Gary and the tumors, but often we can get deceived because of our own strong desire and fake ourselves out, thinking we've heard from God when all it is is we're not going to hear anything else. There's too much noise, and we're calling it God. And so that's an easy um, pitfall uh, or, or problem here, but it's a big one. You just want something so bad. You know, you can't see that there might be a better way. Maybe it's a house. Uh, remember when we were pursuing finding a house? There was one I thought had to be it, and I was just so bummed when that thing fell through. Uh, but now, as I look back on it, I'm so glad I didn't get that house because I love the one I got. It's way, way better. <laughs> and so uh, the point is sometimes our emotions get in the way, and when it comes to a loved one, especially with matters of healing, it's far better if God convinces somebody else. When my nephew, Wayne III, at two years of age, had a brain tumor the size of a man's fist in his head, uh, no person in the United States had ever survived that tumor. No one. There was 0% chance. And uh, uh, a deacon and a few of the uh, deacons at Market Manor Baptist Church, non-relatives, got to praying and became absolutely convinced God was going to heal that boy of that tumor. And God did. That boy's still alive. <laughs> uh, now he's in his 40s. <laughs> You know, decades later, um, one of those deacons later had his own wife, uh, got sick. He never had faith for her, and God took her home, okay? But when somebody that's not your relative gets burdened and comes to con convincing faith, however you want to call that, for somebody that you love, that's a big deal. But yourself, you might have to check yourself out because we can fake ourselves out. And so uh, uh, that one's a huge one, pressure or noise from your own strong desire, emotion. Secondly, pressure or noise from your family and friends. Now, your family and friends are people you love. Another way to say that is peer pressure. Sometimes there's so much pressure from family and friends that you can't hear the voice of God. I had a pastor tell me about a given issue in his church. <laughs> he knew probably he should do this, but there was so much pressure from one man. He said, I'll be honest with you, the reason I haven't done this yet is that one guy, it's peer pressure, I'm bound to it, it's fear of man. And uh, he was grappling with it, but he's being honest. And so when, when family and friends so want this, you may miss out on God's voice for this. Because you feel this pressure. And you know, what will, what will happen if I don't do what everybody's saying? Kind of a thing. A third is pressure or noise from the enemy. Isn't it interesting that in these first two guidelines, the enemy has come up, and it's no accident that... Our pastor, who I did not talk with ahead of time, brought up spiritual warfare before this particular workshop. <laughs> because you see this one coming up often. Pressure or noise from the enemy, where a surface impression from the enemy is mistaken for God's leading. 
And again, I mentioned this earlier on one of the other nights, uh, but there's that difference between that surface impression on the soul level where Satan can counterfeit versus that deep knowing on the spirit level. The Holy Spirit lives in your spirit. And he bears witness with your spirit. And that is not a feeling. Feelings are on the soul level. When the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit, it's a knowing based on Romans 8.16. It's that deep knowing in the center of your being as opposed to the circumference or outer part of your being. So the crash and burns come when we think God spoke to us, but if you stopped and thought about it, it was not the Holy Spirit. It was not from the center or core. It was not that deep knowing. It was that flash, quick impression that seemed powerful at the moment and then subsides. When God speaks, there's that deep knowing. It never subsides. You know. See, there's that difference. And if you will think back in your life to times when you thought God spoke to you, you went forward and it didn't happen, to times when you believed God spoken to you and you went forward and it did, and then discern the difference between the God-stirring part of that, and you'll recognize, oh, on the one, it was the outer man, quick flash, when you're groggy, uh, there, but it subsides. Uh, that's when you crashed and burned, but that deep knowing, this other time when it happened, if you go back, that was the spirit bearing witness with your spirit. That was in the center of your being. And you can begin discern, to discern the difference between your center and your circumference. Now, this has nothing to do with how large your circumference is. <laughs> it's the difference between spirit and soul. All right. So, uh, avoid the pitfalls. Avoid mistaking God's voice. And then finally, third guideline, avoid ignoring God's cautions. I want to give three signs of deception. Where God can protect you, he can undeceive you before the crash and burn. Okay? Three signs of deception, where God's cautioning you. Number one, when you add to what God has actually promised after he gave you the promise. So back to God's economy, God stirs. Okay, when God stirs, take what he's offering, respond to it, but don't add to it. When you add to it, there will be no witness of the Spirit. When God spoke, there is the witness of the Spirit, because it's the Spirit. And every time you remember that, the Spirit will witness to truth. But when you add to it, you can recognize that you add to it, added to it, because the, ad, the additional part, the Holy Spirit will not witness to. Proverbs 30, verse 6 says, Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. I know of a church burdened about souls praise the lord for that and they knew how to pray praise the lord for that they were in a big corporate prayer meeting that's a neat idea that's a, that's a, that's in the bible and in that prayer meeting they got now god doesn't always do this he does it occasionally but in that corporate prayer meeting they got stirred to pray for so many souls by such and such a time now god doesn't always give you that number of so many souls and especially by such and such a time so you have a number of souls and you have a timing issue here but as the nobody planned nobody said hey let's do this in the prayer meeting it happened see it was a god thing and they were now 
asking and actually were trusting that, hey, man, look at this. We all resonated, see, that's the Holy Spirit, uh, to ask for this many souls by this date. I think it was like three months away. God was in that. But then as they continued praying, somebody said, and, and baptisms. Now, God didn't give them that. Those who were discerning should have said at the end, God stirred us about this many souls. Um, he may or may not give us the baptisms, but God stirred us about this. In other words, somebody needed to correct that because what happened is they all latched on to the and baptisms. Guess what happened? They did see that many souls saved, but they didn't see that many baptisms, so they were all defeated and discouraged and disillusioned when the fact is God did give what he promised to give. But they added to it. And that's where somebody with discernment needs to stand up and kindly differentiate between what God said versus what may have been added by somebody that was zealous and in their immaturity just said, and you know this, I've been in prayer meetings, God, I'm claiming a thousand souls by next Sunday, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, and you can just tell, wait a second, God's not in this. See, God will witness to what he gives you, what we add to it in the zeal of the flesh, uh, the Spirit of God will not witness to that. And so when you recognize there was a time when God spoke and you're stirred, and then as it goes on, you start adding to it. And we can do it as an individual. We get so excited about what God spoke, then we add this date, and it's got to be by this time, and it's got to be this way, and we add all these details that God didn't get. He gave us the germane yes on this, and then we add this detail and this detail and this timing and so forth. That's where uh, the Spirit of God will not witness to that, and that's where we need to recognize that. That's a caution when there's not that witness of, spirit, of the Spirit about those additional elements. Secondly, second sign of deception. When you find yourself striving to stand on the promise... To rest <laughs> on the promise. With my si the situation with my sister, I should have recognized that in those final weeks, I was striving. I mean, it was like desperation. Because she's going down. <laughs> right before her eyes. I mean, she's sinking. And, uh, oh my. And my prayer times were very much striving. And I should have realized, wait a second, that means if you're striving, you're not as convinced as you thought you were. <laughs> Because when you know you have a word from the Lord, you don't strive. Does that make sense? See, God's giving you a warning there. Giving us a warning that when we find ourselves striving and, you know, you know uh, pounding our chest and whatever. Uh, wait a second. We're not as... I mean, there's a place to get intense. Don't get me wrong. But when you have to work up your convincement, it's not convincement. See, being convinced is not a feeling. It's you're convinced. And when you're convinced, you don't strive. You say, God, this is what you said, so you got to do it. And you're not striving. You're standing. Does that make sense? There's that difference. So recognize when you strive, you've gotten off course. Psalm 46.10 says, be still. Literally, cease striving and know that I am God. So that deep knowing, you don't have to strive. When you're striving, you don't have the deep knowing. You're not as convinced as you thought you were. Thirdly, sign of deception. When God sends you warnings that you got it wrong, and he graciously does it before the crash and burn. 
when God sends you warnings. But if you ignore them, then you crash and burn. How many times did God send His prophets to warn Israel about something? God does give us these things. Back to the illustration in regard to my sister Joy. Yes, God had given many victories, but in that last year, we had no fresh word from the Lord, and we should have sought it. God would have told us, no, it's my time. Then we could have surrendered to that. We could have helped Joy. Of course, she did not want to die. I don't know how well she would have taken it. Uh, by the way, just as I've told you, that of the five siblings that my dad used to say that I have the worst temper, he also said that Joy was the most stubborn. That may surprise some of you. And I'm going to tell you, she did not want to die. Well, who does? But nonetheless, <laughs> we were all afraid to say, you know, that maybe, you know, maybe God's timing. <laughs> well, at any rate, uh, it's kind of fun uh, to look back on those things now. But the, uh, the truth is, um, God was giving us some warnings in those final months that, hey, this is not what you, this isn't, this isn't Jericho, this is Ai. You need a fresh word. You say, well, did God give you some fresh words? Well, here's how it happened. At the time, I didn't recognize it, but after my sister passed away, just not many, that many weeks after, my dear friend, Dr. Bill Rice III, my mentor in evangelism, said, John, God sent you warnings ahead of time, and you need to figure it out. Now, that's a mentor. So I immediately got to thinking, yep, I know what they were. One was, I was down in Florida. This was just a couple of weeks before the Lord took Joy home. Uh, she was, had also come to Florida. A family had come together. We went to Disney World and all this. She was in a wheelchair and all that. Uh, but nonetheless, um, at that time, I was talking to a pastor friend. I was parked with my trailer on his property. And I said, you know, God healed her of this. God healed her. And I began to enumerate those stories. And I said, you know, doesn't make sense to me for God to just heal her all these times just to take her. And he looked at me and said, God's done a lot of things that don't make sense to me. <laughs> and I remember in my heart, I knew that that was true, and yet I just rejected it because I didn't want to listen to it. But that was God graciously giving me a warning. You're deceived at the moment, John. The other one was, and I'm being very honest in, about all this, some of you in this audience were a part of this, on the Saturday before she passed away, uh, we had the men's prayer meeting in those days in the morning. And I said to Gary, I said, hey, let's ask the men what's on their heart. And, uh, uh, you know, let's just let them testify, you know, how convinced they are that God's going to heal her. And this will really encourage our faith. <laughs> so, we asked the men who were there to say, you know, how do you see this right now? And almost to a man, not everybody, but the majority, one by one, said, you know, on the other issues, I had peace, I had faith, God was going to heal joy. This time I don't. I remember calling Gary afterwards thinking, man, I'm sorry I ever said bring that up to the men. <laughs> but you know what? God was in that. And God was using the dear men of this church to warn Gary and I, you got it wrong, guys. You need to surrender this. You need to surrender joy. And I'm telling you, God was using His men. They had it right. They were in tune. And so, don't ignore those warnings from the Lord. When you think you got something right, and then God begins to send you these moments where a word is spoken and it hits you like a ton of bricks. It's like God invading you. 
Well, that's God <laughs> speaking to you and warning you. But when we do get it wrong, we can just say, God, my wings are broken. I can't fly unless you heal them. I got it wrong. You didn't get it wrong. I got it wrong. And Lord, I don't want to get it wrong again. I need you to teach me. I need you to show me your ways in the areas that I've been deceived. Let me see that the next time so that I don't fall into that same deception. God, I'm casting myself on you. And that's when God begins to heal your wings and you begin to fly again in the life of faith. Now, I know I have flown and we only have six minutes left. But, any questions in regard to a ton of turf that we flew over tonight? Good. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> yes, sir. Well, if we look back and remember to recognize some of the times when we ignored it, um, should we try to figure out why or just change? Or just stop doing it? Yeah, well, when we ignore God, it's because we're so, we're so wanting something, we don't want to admit, admit the possibility that God may do something else. And, but we do have to get honest about it. Big time. Yes, ma'am. Is Rush Joshua gave me your book last Sunday? Yes. Oh, I'm way behind the time, I'm sure the way here has read it. I don't even remember the name of it. Experiencing so, Jesus. Thank you. The Lord really used you because I've only read a third of it, and now I'm here tonight, and everything clicked. Oh, amen. Amen. Beautiful. That's wonderful. Truth connects with truth. Yes. Thank you. Amen. Anyone else? Yes. I guess this is a good clarification. So you said um, pressure can come from your own emotions. Right. And uh, that we should be worried about trusting ourselves to hear God's voice on top that flows to us. So, like in the example of... Uh, Let's just say finding a new job for me. That's, that's something that I'm, that I'm doing right now. If, like, let's say I really want to want one particular job, and right. I know that I really want to, does that mean I need to like stop asking God for like His approval on it? And not necessarily. It means you go to God and say, God, this this really is exciting to me. I mean, God already knows anyway. <laughs> God, I'd really like this, uh, but if I got it wrong then I really want what you want. That's the deal. Whereas often, we don't even want to come to that point. We just want to say, God, this is it, right? <laughs> and we're just clinging on to what we want. And it may be what God's want, but it, it may not be. And that's where we have to be willing to say, but God, if I got it wrong here, I need you to show me. And if he confirms that you got it right, fine. But if he shuts that down and doesn't work, then obviously if you prayed ahead of time, in other words, if you thought that was it and it doesn't happen, that's when you have a crash and burn. But when you said, all right, Lord, not my will but yours. I really want what you want. This is what I want, but if I got it wrong here, I want what you want and it doesn't happen. Then you can, you'll have a human disappointment, but you also have a supernatural peace. Okay, God knows what he's doing. That's your protection. Great question. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Well... Yeah, uh, in, uh, yeah, I mean, 
There's self-will, and then there is a spirit-energized will. In other words, we're not robots. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires. In other words, we often think, okay, delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you what you want. <laughs> what it's saying is, delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the right desires. You know, because I would take that verse and say, man, where's my Corvette? I still want one of those 1970s Corvettes, <laughs> but not my will. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but the reality is when you delight yourself in the Lord and you get in tune with Him, then He begins to give you the right desire. So back to the job thing, it may be a desire from Him, um, but we can still say, Lord, if I got it wrong here, because it's easy for me, it's so close to me that I could, I could read my will into it, I still want what you want, and, and I'm willing for, the, you know, for you to block this if you're not in it. But it's helpful to have um, that understanding between our will and His will. Al. Well, there's a lot more detail to the whole story. But it is what it is. And uh, it, I remember being in a meeting following that uh, with others and saying, man, we have to get honest. We got it wrong. You can't spin it when it didn't happen. And uh, because then you hurt everybody's faith. Then it's like, what's, what's the use? Everything's ethereal. Everything's foggy. Everything's a cloud. Um, we got it wrong. It's a bit of a pain. <laughs> yes? Don't you just feel like you learn so much more about God when you do have those failures in your life? Sure. And then you just remember back on those times. I'm sure you would handle the whole situation different now. Yes, oh absolutely. I'm very grateful because you don't want to keep going down that path. Um, God knows what He's doing. Sometimes He allows us in certain matters to say, wow, like the house thing. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for blocking that one house. That would have been a disaster. Uh, other times I still don't understand. Like with Joy, I still don't understand. She was like a grandparent to my son and they were very close. She's not here. There's no other grandparent. You know, it's just like, wow. I still don't understand that. But I do know that God knows what He's doing. All right. Yes, Lori. Yeah, yeah. That's another part of the story. <laughs> By the way, I'll just mention this for those of you that remember. What she's referring to is she died on a Friday. We were just there before she passed away. We came back just after she passed away. And um, one of my brothers-in-law... Actually, Mark Gilmore called and said, hey, John, read such and such chapter in Acts. So we're, you know, her body's still there. And so it's this, the passage when they said to Tabitha, you know, Tabitha, I say unto you, arise. And I remember thinking, Mark, you rascal, why don't you come over here and do this? 
<laughs> and I didn't have any convincement that she would rise. I uh, told Gary, I said, you know, I don't know that she's going to rise, but why not give it a shot? That way we've done everything we know to do, and if God takes her, then it's okay. He goes, that's fine. So <laughs> some of you may think I'm an idiot for doing this, but, <laughs> you know, it's my sister. <laughs> and so uh, I said, Joy, I say unto you, arise. Nothing happened. And Gary goes, aren't you supposed to take her by the hand? <laughs> Which is what happened in the text in Acts. So we did it one more time. And, you know, the moment I did that, the peace of God hit me. She's with the Lord, and it's God's timing. And we were completely free. Uh, some misunderstood that scenario as to say that I you know, said she was going to rise. No, I never said that. I just said, Gary, I think I'm supposed to do this. I have no convincement that she's going to rise, but I, you know, I, just, I don't want to be disobedient, so let me give this a shot. And by the way, if God told me to do it again, I'd do it. Because, you know, I've never done that before. And by the way, you need to know this. If you read church history, especially revival history, and awakening history, there have been resurrections for the last 2,000 years. You need to know that. Even in the last 50 years. And they're in books that are, forgive this, non-charismatic books. So it's not, you know, why should people think it's strange that God should raise people from the dead? Isn't that in the Bible? <laughs> but that was a, another piece of the story. <laughs> people were, were wondering, oh man, Miguel is trying to raise the dead. <laughs> you get reputations for all sorts of things. <laughs> Anyone else? Yes, Doug. I'm, I'm going to assume that whether you got it right or wrong, the outcome wasn't going to change. Right. But there are times where you can crash and burn, and the outcome, you know, rather than being this, it's that. Ah. Oh. If we got it wrong, then the outcome was going to be what it was going to be. But I think you're saying something different, right? Uh, you spoke before about claiming promises. And missing out if you don't claim them. Is that what you yeah, mean? In other words, if you don't do it right, it doesn't happen. Right. When it could happen. Right, that's exactly right. So crashing and burning in those situations, I'm going to say Ah, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, because when God does want to do something, remember he said of the Israelites in Psalm 78 that they limited the Holy One of Israel, which means there was more. Jesus said, you know, to some of those towns, or to, uh, uh, was it Capernaum? No, Nazareth, his hometown. You know, that he could not do many mighty miracles there because of their unbelief, which means they missed out. And in that sense, absolutely, that's far more detrimental. This, when we think we got it right and we didn't, the crash and burn doesn't change outcome. It, 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 the difficulty is we can get disillusioned and say, you know, what's the deal? And get mad at God and that kind of thing. And God has a way of bringing us to our knees. And if you're his child, his DNA is in you. And even in the crash and burn scenario where you're on your face in the dust eating the dirt, there's this rise inside. It says, God, I don't get this, but I love you anyway. It's because you're his child. Yeah, bless the Lord. Well, thank you, folk. Yes.
because they didn't have enough faith? Or that when he didn't heal them. Obviously, he had the power to, but he would not unless they exercised faith. Well, it is because they're not exercising faith. So he could not because they didn't exercise faith, but could not, not in the sense that he didn't have enough power, but could not in the sense that God's laws of faith are, you've got to exercise faith or you miss out. Good. All right. Anyone else? I know we're a little over, but thank you for your patience tonight and bearing with me on... I wanted to tell this story because I know some of you lived this story. So, and thank you for your prayer and patience and support and all of that. That's a long time ago now, but still very real. All right, let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you're on the throne. Thank you that you do not make mistakes. Lord, give us discernment. Give us humility, honesty where we get it wrong. We thank you that you do heal. Lord, guide us. And uh, Lord, teach us, as the text said at the beginning, your ways and your paths so that we navigate within your laws of faith. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord willing, next week, it's uh, already recorded, there's a final session on the increase of faith. And so you'll see uh, there that some of that is going to tie into this. God sometimes does want us to trust Him for what He did before, but He wants that new, fresh transaction of faith so that it's God-dependence and not self-dependence. But that'll be, Lord willing, next Wednesday night. And I think that's the last Wednesday. Is that correct? Okay, got it. All right, thank you. You are dismissed. God bless.